Hey, my name is PJ Nolan. I'm the lead pastor of Collective Church. We are a community of real people in Saline County, Arkansas, seeking to know God and to make Him known. We hope as you visit our podcast that you will find the messages inspiring, practical, but most importantly, biblical. The title of our message today is uh, Living Out Your Destiny. Living Out Your Destiny. And I want to start off by reading Psalm 139, verse 16. And I want to read it from a few different translations. I want to read it first from the English Standard Version, which would be commonly referred to as like a word-for-word translation of the Bible. Follow along there with me. This is King David talking. This is the David that slayed the giant Goliath. This is the David that eventually becomes God's appointed one to be the king of Israel. This is the David that also eventually had a moral failure and had an adulterous affair with Bathsheba. But David says here in Psalm 139, 16, he's talking to his father in heaven. And he says, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me. When as yet, there was none of them. Let's move on to what some would refer to now as a, what is called like a thought for thought translation of scripture. This is the New Living Translation. David says here, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Let me read it to you now from one more translation. This is what others might would call a paraphrase. This is the message translation. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. Conception to birth. All of life is sacred to God. Can I get an amen for that? All the stages of my life were spread out before you. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I had even lived one. What is David saying here? What is King David talking about? What what do we get out of this? What David is saying here is that our lives are a story recorded in God's book. We saw there in every one of those translations a reference to God's book. Our lives are a story recorded in God's book. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Seniors, students, oldest person in the room today, youngest person in the room today, and everyone in between, I want you to get this. Your life is a story that is very tightly tethered to a much larger story. A story that is very much tightly tethered to a larger story. This is one reason why author John Eldridge says, this is why it's important to remember the author of your story and the goodness of his heart for you. The larger story is God's story, and he's the author of it. And I want you to hear this today, folks. No matter what's in your past, no matter what's in your present, And no matter what may be in your future, his heart for you is filled with goodness. That's the God that created us. 
That's the God that some of us already belong to by the power of his salvation. And that's the God that wants to save some of you here today. He's the author of your story, and he has a heart that is filled with goodness for you. You know, if you look at the analogy of a story or the word picture of a story, we will see that every story has four common elements to it. Four common elements. You can write these down if you want to. We'll see that every story has innocence. Every story has tragedy. Every story is filled with some kind of redemption. And every story has a destiny. Every story. We see this in Scripture. For example, innocence. This plays out right in the very beginning of God's Word. Adam and Eve in the garden. So much innocence. There was no sin in the world. They got to enjoy perfect fellowship with God. In fact, Adam and Eve walked with God. Innocence. But then what enters into the story pretty soon? Tragedy. Sin. The result of that sin is tragedy, and you and I are still being affected by that today, aren't we? But very quickly, we see redemption begin to play out. What does God do because he's a God of grace? He provides what the Bible called coverings for Adam and Eve. It's gracious. God didn't have to do that. But even though they had sinned against God and had chosen tragedy for themselves, God said, I still love you. I'm still gracious toward you. My heart is still filled with goodness for you. We see this also play out in the story of Noah. If you read the Bible, the Bible says that Noah was the only one in his generation that was like righteous toward the Lord. Innocence. But Noah builds the ark, the flood comes, and it was a very stressful situation. And by the end of the flood, Noah is so burnt out and stressed out, what does he do? He gets drunk. He gets wasted. And then his sons decide to mock him and his drunkenness, and they walk in and see him naked. What do we have going on there? Tragedy. But we also eventually see some redemption at play and some destiny. If you move on into the New Testament, we see the same thing in the life of Mary, the mother of Jesus, this innocent teenage girl who gives birth to the Savior of the world, but eventually she has this tragedy in her life when uh, her son is betrayed by Roman soldiers and goes to the cross. Mothers, could you imagine that? But ultimately, redemption was at play because Jesus was going to the cross for you and for me and for Mary. We even see this at play in the life of Jesus. No one's more innocent than the Son of God himself. But even tragedy entered his story, not by his choice necessarily, but because we chose sin and because he chose to love us first. And tragedy enters his story by the death that he Endured because of the beating that he took on the cross. But then we see redemption. He conquers death, hell, and the grave, and he rises, and he ascends to heaven. And then there's destiny for all of God's children. We see innocence play out in our own stories when you think about it. I want you to think about your own life. There's innocence scattered about throughout your story. Think back to when you were a child, you might remember innocent moments when your grandfather took you fishing. You might remember an innocent moment when you think back to the smell of an 
old Chevrolet pickup when your grandparents took you to get a burger or to go camping. You might think of moments of innocence in your past when you were celebrating a birthday with the blowing out of candles and the smell that lingers in the air after you blow the candles out. You might recall moments of innocence in your life when you went on that giant roller coaster and went over that very first hill. Our lives are filled with innocence, taking your first deer. And not just in our childhoods. Our lives are filled with innocence even on into adulthood, bringing a child into the world, watching your children graduate. When a grandparent welcomes their grandchildren into the world and shares moments of helping raise them, these are all moments of innocence. If you take a few moments today to walk around the room and go by these various tables, you will see moments of innocence all across these tables through the pictures that these families have chosen to share with you. Can I share with you a few pictures of of myself that bring me back to a more innocent time in my life? Can I do that with you for a moment? Please don't make fun of me too much. I'm just trying to be vulnerable with you this morning, okay? Let's look at a few of these. Look at that baby. Man, that's my mom. Beautiful. She was about 20 years old right there. Let's move on to another photo. That's me. I don't know if that's innocence or tragedy. I really don't. Those overalls might be a tragedy, but there's a lot of innocence in the picture. Uh, Let's move on to another one. Look at that guy. Wow. Let me tell you, I took Lauren out for breakfast yesterday. I was showing her these pictures, and those race car suspenders did something for her yesterday. All right? That's me. I was in fifth grade right there. Very innocent time in my life. That's me and my dad. Very first prom. And um, special time. That's my senior, one of my senior photos right there. So, uh, some of my other ones look so good, Lauren said I couldn't share them with you. <laughs> But you'll recognize that, some of you that grew up in that era, how about that seashell necklace? Yeah, yeah. Just waiting for those to come back. This is hard. Look at that. Somebody didn't tell the guy on the left that the girl on the right was way out of his league. Swing for the fences is the only thing I know how to do, guys. All right? But that's mine and Lauren's first prom together. Those are seasons of innocence in one's life. And there's tragedy. Everybody has tragedies in their stories. They're scattered about. Some might call some of our tragedies capital T tragedies. Others might call other tragedies lowercase t tragedies. Tragedies range from events like the loss of a very close loved one, the divorce of parents, an addiction to pornography, sexual abuse, bullying, Some words that were spoken to you at some point that cut and pierced your heart. Tragedies follow us on into adulthood, infertility, prodigal children, church hurt, things that you witnessed in your career that you never thought you would witness. I could go on and on, but we all have tragedies. Some of those are massive and others are like an accumulation of tiny paper cuts over the course of your life. But praise God for the next phase, redemption. Redemption occurs all throughout our lives when we see Romans chapter 8 at play. Romans chapter 8 tells us that for the child of God, God works all things, all things 
for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Then we reach this other phase in the life of a good story, and that's destiny. Destiny is a word we use a lot. Destiny is a word I've been using more in my sermons lately, but destiny is a word that's very misunderstood. Destiny is what I want to finish talking to you about for the next few moments. In order for you and I to really understand destiny, we have to first understand what destiny is not. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write some things down with me this morning. A good friend of mine and some friends of some others here in our church says this about destiny. This side of heaven, destiny is not an arrival point. I really want you to let that sink in. This side of heaven, destiny is not an arrival point. Let me give you a few other examples of what destiny is not. Destiny is not something that's going to happen in the future here on earth. It's not. Destiny is not attaining something here on earth that gives you peace, that gives you comfort, or fulfillment. There are things in our lives that God uses to at times give us a little bit of peace. There are things that give us comfort. There are things that allow us to feel a sense of fulfillment here on earth. But none of those things are our destiny. Destiny is not doing anything or getting anywhere. Destiny is not a job. It's not a family. Destiny is not a spouse. Destiny is not a ministry. What is it? Follow along with me to John chapter 15. Let me read you some words from Jesus to you and I today. Just follow along here with me. And picture Jesus speaking to us here today. Jesus says to us that I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. But every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear even more fruit. And by the way, folks, pruning is a painful process at times. But if God is pruning you, that means God is working in you and working on you, and he has great things planned for you. Jesus goes on to say here, Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, I love this part, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So what is destiny? Well, let me give you a definition for it. 
you're taking notes, write this down. Folks, it's really as simple as this. Your destiny as a Christ follower follower is simple. It's to live in a deep, personal, abiding relationship with your Savior and King Jesus. It's not any of those other things I mentioned a few moments ago. It's this right here. This is what we were made for. This is what we were created for. This is why Jesus died on the cross for you and I. So that we would live in a deep, personal, abiding relationship with our Savior and our King, Jesus. How do we do that? Let me give you three ways this morning. This abiding relationship is lived out by becoming, first of all, who he says you are in Christ. That's how you live it out. You abide in him by becoming who he says you are in Christ. The scripture is filled with passages that tell you and I who we are in Jesus. In fact, I don't have time to share all of them with you here today, but let me give you just a few. This is who God says you are in Christ. You are God's child. You are Christ's friend. You are a saint. You are complete in Christ. You are a citizen of heaven. You are born of Jesus, and the evil one cannot touch you or take that away from you. You are chosen and appointed to bear fruit. You are God's workmanship. This is your destiny. To abide in Jesus and to have a deep, personal, thriving relationship with your Savior and King. And as you grow in Him, He reveals to you more and more and more every day who He says you are. Not who your spiritual enemy, the devil, says you are. Not who the world says you are. Not what somebody in some tragedy of your story said you are. He is redeeming you. And he says, here, you're my child. He says, you are my friend. You are a saint. You are complete in me. You may be a temporary citizen here on earth, but you are a forever citizen in heaven by the grace and power of Jesus. We are his workmanship. Number two. This abiding relationship is lived out by becoming who he created you to be. I'm not talking about a career path here. I'm not talking about you becoming a parent or a spouse or whatever it may be. Those are all part of our lives, but they're not our destiny. You were created to be a fruitful man or woman. Seniors, you were saved and created to be a fruitful young man or a fruitful young lady. Follow me to Galatians chapter 5. Let me read another passage to you this morning. Paul said to the church at Galatia, he says, I say, walk by the Spirit. Listen, when you walk by the Spirit, you're abiding in Jesus. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We all have desires of the flesh, folks. We all have them. I have them. You have them. But the Scriptures tell us here, walk by the Spirit and do not gratify those. 
Why? For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. Because they're opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things you really want to do. But if you were led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Look at these. We see these all across the board in our culture today. If you're with me, say amen. Look at this. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. You may go, what's that? Where do we see that? Let me give you an example. Did you know that some McDonald's around our nation today are doing this little test run to see if our culture buys into this, but if you go to some of those McDonald's now and get a Happy Meal, they give your child a QR code to get a free tarot card reading. Get your head out of the cave sometimes and look at how the enemy's trying to work among you and trying to take this generation. Sorcery. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions. We don't have any of that in the U.S., do we? (laughs) Divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Paul says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But this is what God has for us, folks. This is our destiny as we abide in Jesus. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. When you go to college, be a young man or a young woman of love. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. One day when you're a parent, choose joy. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. Be a peacemaker. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Patience. We live in a very unpatient, impatient culture. But the Spirit calls us to be a people of patience. Kindness, my goodness, the world is unkind. But God calls us to be a people of kindness and goodness, faithfulness. We live in a world of unfaithful people. Unfaithfulness is all around us, but Jesus has saved us and called us to something greater. We're to be a faithful people, a gentle people, a self-controlled people. Against such things, there is no law. You were created to be fruitful. And your destiny is to live in a thriving, abiding relationship with your Savior and your King Jesus Christ. And when you are, these fruits will manifest themselves in your life by the power of God's Holy Spirit. Third thing, we abide in Jesus and live out our destiny by trusting him for all of life. For all of life. The most important decision that one could make in this room today is to choose Jesus with your life. Not just your life here on earth, but with your eternal life in heaven. The question I have for you today is, will you entrust your life to him? Will you make the decision to ask Jesus to save you? Because that is where your destiny begins. Romans 10, 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Doesn't matter how dysfunctional your story may be. It doesn't matter if you would describe your story as leave it to beaver. You still need a Savior. 
because there's no one that is spotless except for the one, Jesus Christ. And we all need him. Those of you who have called on the name of the Lord to be saved, I want to remind you of this. Jesus said in John 10.10 that he came to give you life and give it to you abundantly. That abundant life is not just for in heaven. That abundant life is for here and now. And that abundant life does not necessarily mean material possessions, which nothing wrong with enjoying the fruits of your labor. That abundant life doesn't mean that your marriage is always going to be great. That abundant life doesn't mean that college is going to be easy. That abundant life doesn't mean that you're going to have the perfect kids one day because nobody's kids are perfect. Nobody's kids are perfect. Not even mine. Listen, I'm praying right now that God prepare me for when my kids blow it. My kids are going to mess up really bad one day. I'm admitting that to you now. I'm confessing that like ahead of time to you. My kids are going to mess up one day. And so when they do, don't come at me, man. All right? Listen, if you want to come at me during that time, walk through it with me and love me. Just like so many of us are doing that with you right now. The abundant life is knowing your Savior and your King, Jesus Christ. That's your destiny. So let me close with these thoughts on destiny that our friend Brent Wakefield shared. Follow along with me. The moment we exalt some notion of destiny above our abiding in him, it becomes when any other thing in this world becomes without Christ, an idol. Our destiny is where the Holy Spirit reveals to us in his timing our truest self in Jesus Christ. With all of our faults, hurts, failures, and disappointments. Our destiny is to be utterly laid bare at the foot of the cross and live obediently as a new man, more and more like Christ as the days pass. Whatever circumstances we face in this life, at the core of destiny is a relationship with God the Father and Jesus the Son, inspired and counseled by the Holy Spirit. This abiding relationship is everything. It's the starting point, it's the journey, and it's our ending hope. Wherever we go in life, it has everything to do with our relationship in Him. Destiny isn't about figuring anything out. It's about staying in the presence of the one who knows us best while we sojourn through a broken world in complete obedience to him. We either believe our destiny is found in him or we don't. When we abide in relationship with Jesus, the rest of our relationships are healed and flourish. We become more like him as a husband, a dad, a son, a brother, and a friend. We live in an understanding way with our spouse. We do not aggravate our children, but we encourage and discipline them in love in all circumstances. We honor our parents, and we love one another as Christ loved us, and the world takes notice, and we are the fragrance of Christ to a dying world. That's good stuff.
Thanks again for visiting the Collective Church Podcast. We hope you found the message to be practical, inspiring, and biblical. And by the way, if you're interested in learning more about Collective Church, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you enjoyed the message, hit the subscribe button. And if you'd be willing to, hit share and help us spread the word about Collective Church.